Hello and welcome to another episode of the most comprehensive P2B outreach podcast. Once again, I have the pleasure of having Dancho, Bisbee's founder and CEO and established management consultant, and Natasha, Bisbee's outreach COO, as my special guests. In the previous episode, we defined what sweet leads actually are, and today, with Dancho and Natasha's help, we will try to figure out which services can expect the most sweet leads, by doing outreach, of course, and maybe even with services shouldn't even bother with outreach. But if you are one of those that have tried outreach and are under the impression that outreach couldn't possibly work for you, you're in for quite a ride. But don't let me spoil everything for you. Let's get going. Danja, can you tell me which kind of service provider should definitely try outreach? Hello, everybody. Welcome again. Uh, when it comes to the outreach, it really has a broad usage, but of course, it has exceptions and we've, we've learned it the hard way as usual. Uh, when it comes to, to B2B lead generation and, and prospecting, uh, the best type of companies that can use are high ticket service providers. I mean, we had a portfolio of 450 clients so far and it's no wonder that last year or actually, yeah, year ago, we decided to specialize in this segment. I mean, we tried everything B2B from products, from services. Uh, we even tried B2C several campaigns. But when we analyzed our data on what gives great results and what gives fantastic results, we said, well, let's focus on the companies that will actually get the best results. And that's how we did the rebranding. We did an, uh, an analysis on all our existing and previous clients, and we tried to find common patterns. And few things emerged that were quite interesting. Uh, for example, high ticket service providers can benefit from outreach, but the proper way of outreach, not the spammy way, uh, the most. Why? Because they have expensive services and they benefit the most out of building the relationship. And when we're talking about high ticket services, there is always a, a, a longer sell cycle. There are multiple people involved. It's not an easy sales to make. And it is really relationship driven rather than an impulsive buying. And in this kind of services where you want to connect with your prospect, when you're looking as a collaboration or partnership level, then the more you need the, the relationship building outreach. The more transactional is the, is the service, like you pay me for X amount, I'll give you this and that's it. Then you can do it with a lot of different channels. Like you can just put ads, give me this amount of money, I'll do X, Y, Z. Well, when you need the relationship or when you really need to, 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 to focus on the multiple people involved and on the longer sales cycle, then, then you really need the outreach. And from experience, we specialize in working with consultants. And by consultants, not just consultants, B2B, but we also worked with mindset coaches, with financial consultants and, and other mentors who and trainers. They all fit in our category of consulting. They could really get a great result because the consulting industry on its own is based on relationship. You cannot actually accept a consultant without having a personal relationship established because there is a lot of confidentiality and there is more intimate collaboration when you hire a consultant. The, the second target that we're using are the marketing and sales agencies. And since the marketing needs to get access to a lot of metrics, a lot of financial data, there has to be some trust because the owner is actually entrusting the brand and the integrity of the brand to a marketing agency, 
which could mess it up quite big. So that's why the relationship, I believe, in this kind of industry is really important in order to, to get new clients. And the third category are the software development company. And if you think about it, if you need a software which will cost you 50, 100K, you really want to have a good supplier. You really even want to consider them as a partner because a wrongly executed software, first, it's going to cost you a lot to build, then it's going to cost you even more to maintain. But the worst part is that even if you decide to go from scratch, it will take months or years to, to build a new MVP and start getting to the market again. So if I think about it, maybe that's why we, we focus on these categories because they are really more dependent on the relationship building and on the long-term gains rather than the quick transaction. And beyond these three, I mean, there are a lot of other high ticket service providers that we work. I mean, we worked with a lot of platforms that one send they have the clients on the other, they have suppliers, or we work with different kinds of agencies that, that intermediate between, again, two types of prospects. And I've noticed that this is where we do our magic. Whenever it's relationship building oriented outreach and where clients buy based on relationship, that's the best results. Uh, that makes sense, but I want to hear from Natasha's pers perspective since he has, she has all the field knowledge in her hands. Uh, yes, I have to say that I agree with Danjo. I mean, uh, when it comes to our experience, we figured it out that this is the best target for us. Uh, but at the end of the day, as we have mentioned before, each campaign is... Uh, this process is not that straightforward and each campaign is dependent on a lot of factors uh, which uh, some of them we can control some of them we cannot control uh, but uh, at the end of the day we are trying to optimize the campaigns as much as we can in order the uh, campaign to be successful however uh, we have sometimes uh, uh, i mean sometimes uh, the factors that we cannot control are uh, influencing the campaign a lot like the client's credibility or their website or so on uh, but on the other hand, uh, sometimes it has been shown that even in this world, uh, maybe this is not the best uh, the best way to do it. For, I, I will name some example for this. Uh, we had a software as a service provider recently as a client uh, who was targeting schools and uh, teachers. And it actually uh, ended up... At, at, and at the end, it actually showed up that maybe LinkedIn wasn't the best option for, for them because usually teachers are not uh, uh, that much present on LinkedIn and the, their main channel of communication is actually email. So we had to switch and move uh, the campaign and focus more towards email. So it's not always that straightforward. It, as I said, it depends on a lot of factors. The target is one of them. But for us, it has been... Uh, so far shown that uh, this is our ideal client uh, profile. Great. So I had two questions uh, pop in my head. First of all, we talk about high ticket service providers a lot, but I don't think that we have explained who actually are the high ticket service providers. And uh, second, uh, do tell me a bit more about all the the uh, services that uh, you have discovered that are not such a great fit for outreach or you should we should just simply try different channels mm -hmm. well 
when we're thinking about high ticket service provider is the, the depending on the pricing of, of the services and by high ticket i mean it could go a lot i mean we have example when we were looking for was it 20 million investment from from for spain but when we usually saying that you need to have at least 5k service and above with 10, 20, 50K, it's golden spot. Above 50, 200, it's getting a bit more complicated. Above 100 is, is a bit different league. So when we're saying uh, high ticket service providers, we usually think that it should be above 5K. And when we're talking about what kind of services are not good fit or what kind of products are not good fit for, for the outreach, well, we have done a lot of mistakes in BSB. Not that we're proud of, we have tried different aspects and we've tried several times with physical products, like try to, to, to find a way to do the outreach on a physical product. And first, the scalability becomes a bit harder because with the digital service, it can be offered internationally. But with the product, first, you have physical movement, you have customs, you have different headaches. And... When it comes to physical, it's usually more a transactional. I pay X amount of money to get this kind of product. And this leads me to the second type. So as I said earlier a bit, the more the transactional the services, the, the harder it is for the outreach to, to work. Uh, I had remember a case where we tried some yoga centers in, in Australia. And man, that was a hard sell. It's almost impossible to, to actually find the yoga centers rather than trying even to, to reach out to them. As, as Natasha said, there are some industries that are kind of not fit for the B2B community. Uh, and finally, I mean, B2C, this whole concept on the outreach is really a better suit for the B2B world because you're targeting other companies that are making other benefits to their consumers. While in the B2C, because it's more mainstream, there is much bigger audience. It's easier to use different channels like ads or, or broadcasting or even TV or radio because you're reaching to a much bigger audience. While in the B2B world, especially if you're into the high ticket, then the market becomes more narrowed. And since you're... Can, since you're if your service can be sold internationally, you cannot really find the right TV or radio channel or have the budget to actually attack the whole world internationally. So in these cases, I think that the, the prospecting and the outreach are not that good fit. Um, Danjo, I would like to add something here. So there are always exceptions. And for example, we recently had a client who was actually a steel manufacturer. Uh, and we were a little bit skeptical about how the whole process will go since uh, there is a physical product involved and we usually work with services only. But at the end of the day, uh, we had great results on LinkedIn, even though um, most of the communication was uh, at some point transferred to email. So they most of them preferred communicating on, on email rather than LinkedIn. Uh, but also one of the key elements of that campaign was uh, the right marketing support because those people, they all wanted to have a brochure or, or a flyer or the supportive things that are actually necessary when you have a physical product. So again, I would say that the campaign depends on a lot of factors and you have to do the right mix of each of them in order to, to make it successful. So maybe it's not that much of the physical product, but it's more of the right mix of the elements. Yeah, yeah, no, you had a good point there. Uh, I also wanted to add now that 
what where it works best but also we had a lot of examples with clients that we were not looking for clients in in some cases we were looking for partners and in that regards we we got even better results even if it was not clean b2b or b2c or, or transactional because even if it is a cheaper service when you consider well instead of looking for part uh, clients I could actually start looking for partners. Then it's again B2B world. I, I remember I was in conversation with several products uh, like prepackaged food in jars. And if you need to start promoting that, it's really B2C market. However, if you're started looking well, actually we can look at exporters or wholesalers or distributors, then it becomes a B2B, but then also the transaction becomes much bigger because when you're looking for a partner, you're not going to sell two jars. We are talking about pallets or trucks and, and, and then it becomes more higher value, a high ticket and more complicated sales cycle because it's again partnership. And in that case, the outreach can also do a great job. Or we even had examples with here with the marketing agencies and with the software companies where from the less development, less developed countries, they are actually not looking for clients, but they are actually looking for partners in, in the US or in the UK. And in this case, it's much different because whether it's as a white label, whether it's as an outsource, it's a win-win. You're not reaching to, to, to sell, but you're actually reaching to get a joint benefit. So now that you've mentioned that, yeah, there are other cases, I just wanted to, to add these examples as well. Great. Uh, those are some amazing examples, but uh, that got me thinking, like you see, marketing agencies are one of your uh, ideal clients, but on the other hand, uh, isn't Aren't marketing agencies the ones that uh, should do all this themselves since they're selling similar services, like they're selling uh, marketing and how to attract clients and everything, and they're asking for outreach for help? Well, I think it's a complicated world we live in, Vera. But how, how I see it is that we have great collaboration with marketing agencies on, on two levels. Um, one is they are really strong at marketing, at SEO, and they are aware that you need the inbound and outbound in parallel. So they're like, well, we are experts in this. Why don't we hire experts in the outreach? So, yeah, we actually work with a lot of marketing agencies, help them find leads through, through the outreach process. But on the other hand, we had a lot of marketing agencies that we started looking as partners. So we said, well, you're good at inbound with SEO ads and stuff. We're good with the outreach. Why don't we join forces and start reaching out to clients that have a need for a complete solution? And we've realized that, yeah, the outreach is not really famous among marketing agencies, but they also have an obstacle when a client comes in and say, you know what, I want everything inbound, outbound with the outreach and everything. They need to find a credible partner in order to be able to, to satisfy that, that client needs as well. So that's why we probably have a good relationship with marketing agency. And plus, it's much easier to talk with them in terms of ideal target, focus, uh, content, uh, SEO, outreach, metrics. It's much easier to, to communicate with a marketing agency. So how have the marketing collaborations been so far, Natasha? Uh, well, we have a lot of uh, marketing agencies that we have worked so far. 
we have very good examples. I mean, um, very successful campaigns, either uh, in terms of partnership or uh, direct uh, approach. Uh, we even had a client who get uh, so many um, meetings in the first month, so they wanted to pause the campaign for a while before they can actually serve all of those uh, meetings that they had from the campaign. So I think that this is a field that we have some expertise on and uh, we are doing it well. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, I wanted to ask about software companies as well. You mentioned uh, software development, but you haven't mentioned the SaaS platform. So are software as a service a good solution, good fit for outreach? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when when we work with the SaaS, the advantage there is that they already have a prepackaged service. I mean, software SaaS as a software as a service, it's still a high ticket service, especially if it's in the enterprise world. We even have examples of working with small scale software as a services, but then the metrics changes because the return of investment is not how many clients will come in and how expensive the monthly subscription will be, but they are usually more looking at the customer life cycle. So for example, if you have a small SaaS for, I don't know, either for legal or for document management or for collaboration tool, which is 10, 20 euros, if you look at the customer life cycle, so with one company, with one cell, you can sell a lot of seeds for start. But then if you have the customer life cycle of six months, a year, two years or five years, you know that you have a great positive return of investment. And here again, when we're looking on what it works, yes, even if you have cheap service monthly retainer then if you go to medium to large size companies they don't buy one seat even if you have any automation tool or small solution that you have even five to ten dollars or euros when you reach out to, to a company that needs 50 tickets or 100 tickets and they stay for several years it still becomes a high ticket service great so I wanted to uh, get back to the things we were talking about and ask Natasha, uh, can she give us more examples about which industries are better for link, uh, better suit for LinkedIn and which for emails? What are your experiences? Well, as I said, uh, it depends on many things. Uh, as I explained before, we had a, a software as a service provider who, because of their target, worked better on email rather than on LinkedIn. On the other hand, we had also a cloud solution provider, or let's say it like that, and they were targeting uh, Singapore and Thailand as their main uh, geographic targets. Uh, so it, it also came out that those uh, regions specifically are more prone to reply on email rather than on LinkedIn. So I would say that it's uh, the target has a very big influence on it. And uh, we can test both of the approaches and see actually that's what we are doing uh, do some testing on LinkedIn on email and see which one works better and then we are optimizing the campaign according to that so sometimes uh, LinkedIn is not the best option email is better or vice versa but uh, at the end of the day what we want to do is get the clients a lot of meetings no matter yeah. the channel that we are using if, if I think now, as Natasha is saying, ideally our companies in the B2B2B world, triple B. So 
you have com- uh, we are companies that are targeting companies that are serving companies. So in this case is accountants. So you, if you have a software for accountants, you know that they're targeting businesses. It's still quite an intensive online network. It works slightly less. It's still good for B2B 2C. For example, if you're a restaurant, you're a business. So if you have a software for restaurants that are targeting consumers, it's a bit harder to find companies, restaurants. There are a lot, but they're not that much on LinkedIn because their audience is not on LinkedIn. and But then we have different approaches on how to utilize that. And the final one is B2C, where you're reaching out directly to consumers. But in that case, we are going through the route of uh, finding partners or even finding suppliers in some cases on, on LinkedIn. And that's why probably I'm looking at B2B2B, B2B2C or B2C. Okay, a lot of Bs in, in this example. But it really shows that different type of companies find it uh, the usage of LinkedIn and email outreach just from different angles. Mm, that makes sense. So we can go for partners or for direct clients, but uh, are there any other options when it comes to the goal of the outreach itself? Like, I believe that not every clients are looking to schedule a meeting, but maybe some are doing outreach because of print awareness or some visibility. Yes, that's right. Uh, the sweet lead might be slightly different for a different uh, uh, customer. So uh, some of them, they are just want to increase the, the awareness of their brand. Uh, some of them, they want to share a new ebook that they have just released. Some of them want to invite the people to their webinar. So uh, it's not always the meeting itself that is the goal of the campaign. So outreach can be used in many, many ways. But uh, the thing is, uh, me personally, I'm on a lot of marketing groups when it comes to Facebook. And uh, there are a lot of people complaining about scheming and outreach. And, uh, well, just they're saying that one is the equal to the other. And there are also a lot of companies that say that outreach simply didn't work out for them. Why do you think that is the case? Well, actually, I, as I have calls with prospects, I do get that question quite often, Vera. And honestly, yeah, the outreach is a way of, re- of finding potential clients. If you do the spammy approach, of course, you're going to be considered a spam. If you send an email to 1 million people and saying, hi, would you buy my services? No wonder they, they would be considered a spam. And that's why maybe they call it email marketing because you're reaching to cold prospect and engaging and it's not called email sales where you're saying, hi, my name is Dan, so I actually sell X, Y, Z and would you buy my services? So I've noticed that many times people don't simply know how to use it. And on the other hand, what we're trying to do with the relationship building is that we may have reached out to prospect and had some chit chat and never even mentioned sell if we see that they're not good fit for, for, the, for our client. So at the end of the day, they just engage into conversation, but we didn't say, well, you're not good fit, but just come on a call because we're not just looking at the KPI, but as a management consultant first, and then as a sales and outreach consultant, at the end of the day, I'm looking at the return of investment for our clients. So it's not just the quantity, well, how many meetings you actually got per month or per week. At the end of the days, 
how many of those meetings were relevant enough so our client can close. And this is maybe why we're looking at it a bit differently. We even work with clients where we're saying, well, okay, you had a lot of meetings, but you haven't closed anyone. Let's see, is it what you do during the sales call or is it maybe they're a bad fit? So we should tweak our campaign in order to, to start getting more and more relevant leads. So at the end of the day, if you try something and it doesn't work, maybe you haven't tried the right way. Because if you ask me, yeah, we had also a lot of bad experience. We've hired a marketing agency promising us the world. They didn't fulfill. But it's kind of unfair to mark that marketing doesn't work just because we had a bad experience with, with, one, with one marketing agency. And perhaps that is why when clients are looking for marketing agency, they don't see it as a transactional because there is a lot of effort. There is a lot of investment, not just financial, in time and resources. And everybody wants to find a great partner. And I think that at the end of the day, that's why we are doing the relationship approach because nobody wants to change a marketing agency or software company or a consultant every one month or two. Everybody wants to have a stable supplier so they would able so they would be able to focus on growth rather than now let's look for new suppliers as well. Um, this reminded me of a call that I had last week with a client and uh, we were um, looking at the report and the results together. So he has great results. I mean, great acceptance rate, great reply rate. Uh, but I didn't even want to discuss that because uh, most of the leads that were in the target on sales navigator were not really relevant to, to what he was looking for. So I said, uh, it, these numbers are not worth it if you're not getting the right people on the call. So what we should do here is do the qualification instead. And that will make the difference. Even if you have less people who were who will be interested for a call or who will reply to the messages, it will be better rather than having a people who are not the right person for you. So I think that what matters here uh, the most is the approach that you are using. And of course, as Dan just said, optimizing and adjusting the campaign as you see the, the things coming. And uh, Dancho has one um, analogy that he's using very often. So it's like uh, you are going in a bar and uh, will you go to a girl or to a boy and uh, <laughs> go straight to him and say, will you marry me? So no, you are just starting a conversation first, building the relationship, getting trust and getting to know each other. And after that, you can offer something or go deeper into the conversation. So. I think that the approach that we're using is what makes the difference. So, of course, the approach is one thing. Uh, implementing a non-spammy approach will guarantee non-spammy messaging and uh, campaign. But on the other hand, you mentioned qualification. And uh, what I thought of immediately was uh, buying email lists, which a lot of companies are practicing. And I think that that also can uh, win the effect of a uh, being of uh, an email campaign being considered as a spam and not working for some client in particular. So what do you say about database building? Uh, well, if you just buy a scrape list from the internet with 10,000 prospects with wrong emails and every possible position input and so on, and on top of that, if you use the wrong messaging, of course, that the campaign will be unsuccessful. When and Yes, that's your goal. And it's not just about the success of the campaign, but the damage that you're going to do on your brand is enormous. I mean, 
you don't want your domain to burn out and spam it where even later when you want to send a sales proposal to someone they are not going to get it because it will just end up into the spam folder and perhaps maybe that's why we we have it as a two stage one is the planning which is critical for a good campaign in order for making the right messages and right uh, profile and everything but then the execution is also a very important stuff you don't just want to put I've burnt out several domains, our own, just by like ah, 200 people, put them in bulk, just start sending emails. And then I had months to repair the, the domain damage that, that we have done. So when it comes to databases, 21st century, people change jobs very frequently. Now, in, in six months from now, some people will be promoted or they'll just find a new job and then you need your database updated. And perhaps this is why I personally love LinkedIn because it's self-updating. If people change a job, they'll go on LinkedIn and brag about it. So it is far more convenient. However, I think that a good uh, database will bring great results as well <laughs> if you pick the, the right leads by yourself. Okay. So I think we got everything covered. Do you have anything to add? No, no not really. Great. I believe you give our listeners a lot to chew on. What's left for me to say is, if you have, if you are a high ticket service provider, especially in some of the industries that Ancha and Natasha mentioned, it's wise for you to start with your outreach ASAP. Get those sweet leads coming. Maybe dive a bit more on the subject by reading Dancho's book. No time like the present, huh? If you're wondering where to find the book, you can go straight away to Amazon and buy it there. In case you're wondering what we'll talk about in the next episode, I can tell you that you're in for a treat. We'll try to figure out just how much effort and time it takes to plan and execute an outreach campaign. But I don't want to spoil anything for you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.